Yes, folks, it's 2 p.m. Pacific time. This is Thursday. I'm Fred McMurray, which means this must be Pillars of Franchising, broadcasting the secrets of success in franchising with myself, Holly A. Ford, and Ray Pillar, who is on vacation today and not with us. He's down sweating it out in Missouri with many, many children and many, many grandkids. How you doing, Holly? Hey, I'm doing great, Fred. It's a wonderful day here in this stormy, wonderful Cincinnati. I'm not in Tampa anymore, so the sky has fallen. I always like Tampa, but, you know, it can't always be Tampa. Here, it's overcast. It's the mid-70s. It's perfect hoodie weather. It's the way it is most (laughs) days in the summer in beautiful Shell Beach, California. So I'm happy. Are you? Yeah. You know what? It's so that's that's like one of the hardest questions anybody's asked me ever. Am I happy? So, Fred, philosophically, do you mean in the moment? Do you mean as an existence? You know, let, let's clarify that question, and I'll let you know. Okay. So the way I can answer that is when people ask me um, how I am how I'm doing, it normally turns into about a fifteen minute answer because uh, <laughs> I got that complex when after the wife died and and I didn't know how I was and people hadn't seen me for a while so I will just leave it out there as are you happy what do you think okay let's go with I am moving into a realm of happiness whether that is a an ephemeral little moment in time or for the rest of existence. I'm not sure yet, but I'm definitely moving in that direction. Does that work? Wow. You use two big words there. <laughs> Thanks, Fred. Ephemeral. You I don't hear that broad used in, in you. <laughs> you don't hear ephemeral used often in, in normal discourse. Well, but you that's a okay. normal discourse used often either. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm not a normal person. I thought everybody on in this show, as well as in California, as well as in Chicago, knew I'm not a normal person. So that's okay. I'm fine with that. <laughs> Love it. So today is one of our special show days, Women in Business. Are you ready for it? Me? Are you ready? Yeah, are you ready Am for I it? I'm ready for it. Oh, I thought you were talking to our guest. Yes. No, we haven't announced our guest yet. Come on, guys. We've got this. we got this covered. I hope there's a lot of ladies out there listening, and I hope there's a lot of gentlemen out there listening because it wouldn't be any fun to be a lady if there wasn't a gentleman, right? There you go. I can't answer on whether or not it would be fun to be a lady or not. That's just not part of <laughs> my knowledge base. It's just it's not so part of my I, it, it just, it's just not. Um, there are some schools of thought that Ray, that say that Ray actually chickened and ran um, because he couldn't handle being <laughs> on, uh, in the minority. But I don't believe that. He's always packing heat so he could defend himself. Yeah, so, right <laughs> since it's Women in Business Day, or Women in Business Day, or however you want to call it, ladies in – no, can't use ladies. That's a bad term these days. Um why don't you introduce our guest? <laughs> All right. Our guest is my favorite human being on the planet, and I, I really mean that in so many ways. 
Rebecca has been a close friend to me personally. She has mentored me. She's helped me in the start of my business, my new business. And uh, right now it looks like this, you know, is, is really, really taking off and getting, you know, um, major attention, even, um, even international attention. So um, I have to say that a lot of um, how I kind of formed some values and viewpoints from the beginning came um, from a conversation I had in Vermont when it was sub-zero temperature um, talking on the phone with Rebecca. So uh, Rebecca Monet is the president and chief scientist of Zoracle uh, Profiles. Uh, Zoracle Profiles is um, a suite of customizable psychometric assessments that brokers and franchises use. I know, another big word, whatever. Um, and, and they create, um, it, it's, it's fantastic. She calls it spot on. It's a meta-analysis, and it provides insight into uh, the profile uh, uh, the profile of that individual and um, it creates an algorithm so you can assess what their compa- what their compatibilities are for other franchises. It is um, in that science that she developed for this can also be used in so many different areas and it's been validated um, nationwide and even in uh, collegiate studies. So um, it is with honor that I introduce Rebecca Monet. That's four big words you used today. <laughs> Are you counting? Actually, yeah, <laughs> now that's in my head, I will, so, you know. <laughs> Beware oh, the mad word counter. Uh, oh, my gosh. I love this banter between the two of you. It shows an incredible <laughs> friendship and, and trust for one another. I love it. Yeah, you don't see me flipping them off on the Zoom call, though, yet, do you? I yeah. haven't flipped them off one time today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it has been only... five minutes already? Six? Yeah, we're on six minutes. So not flipping me off in the six minutes means a normal week. Okay. Well, there we go. We're, we're, we're good. <laughs> Rebecca, and who's our second guest? What the weather's like. And okay. tell, us, tell us all about where you're at. I'm in San Diego, lovely San Diego. Um, I've, I've actually lived here over 30 years. I would find it almost impossible to leave. It's called the greatest city in America for a reason. And, of course, a lot of that has to do with the friendliness of people and our absolute perfect weather, which today is just another example of that. So I'm seriously spoiled, as you can imagine. I live yes. way out in the country. In the country, which makes it even more fabulous, where I can see the ocean to the west and kind of the hills to the east. And uh, I'm sure it's much like uh, what Fred sees also in Seal Beach, but it's a wonderful place uh, to live. Oh, I just, I want to wake up every morning and see an ocean. That's my, that's my goal. And it's going to happen so soon. I don't know how or when, but I will wake up every day and see the ocean. I that's it, that's uh, my one thing that I know will uh, uh, precipitate my happiness. <laughs> there you go. Ooh, There's something that's about five. <laughs> precipitate. Yes. <laughs> There's something about an ocean, and there's something about sunshine that just lifts the spirits. I know. Agreed. 
Is Kristen back on? And do we have our She's back on, guys? waiting for you to introduce her. I'm here. Hi, so Kristen. In- how are you today? Hey, I'm good. How are you guys? Very good. So, everybody out there, our next guest is is Kristen Somanzi. She's the owner of uh, Molly Molly May Bloomingdale. Um, and I love this, and I'm going to add this for her because she is a Wonder Woman. She's also an ice hockey mom and a PTA president. And I have to put that in there so you understand what a dynamic woman that Kristen is. Um, she, she's got three kids. She balances two hockey teams, in-house baseball, and travel baseball. PTA president, you know, nonstop, year-round um, mom in action. And she is also a fantastic franchise um franchise owner and the, the the woman I mean every time I hear something that she's done it goes to the next level and the next level she's um, you know very good at um, her passion as far as um, protecting those from domestic violence she um, she does things that like I said not only impact her little inner circle but expand out to to all of franchising and then of course to to really to uh, families across the U.S. with the impact she makes with um, helping the Ms. Molly Foundation uh, for victims of domestic violence. Um, so, Kristen, what's the weather like, and where are you right now? Well, as my 13-year-old says, first of all, thank you. As my 13-year-old says, I'm in an undisclosed location in Balmy, Bloomingdale, Illinois. He always <laughs> says that, I think, to make me wonder where he really is. And... Um, Earlier today, we had severe thunderstorms, and it was like 74, and fabulous, actually. It felt great outside, despite the the, uh, rain. And now it feels like it's about 104 in pure humidity. So um, I can relate to San Diego. I'd much rather be there, but um, I'm not. So we're in the air conditioning right now and trying to stay cool. So I have a quick question. I have a quick question. What's an air yes, conditioner? What's an air conditioner? <laughs> I don't have one either, Fred. Yeah, well, oh, you know, people are um, lucky enough to live on the coast and don't need it. But, Fred, I know that you're familiar with it because you've been here before. True, I have. When I was there a couple of weeks ago, um, I kept freezing. I had my hoodie on in my daughter's house for two reasons. One, Hey, dealing with a newborn baby, they spit up. Um, and two, I was freezing my tail end off, and I kept having to go outside to warm up in the 104-degree <laughs> sweltering July 4th week. But I well, just wanted to throw that out. up to 96 here tomorrow. So I think, Kristen, we're getting your, your weather and 96 on Saturday. Yippee. Uh, so I'm, I'm tracking what you're going through. And, of course, Fred, you hate it here because at night, my house, my temperature, 61 degrees every night. So uh, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't have much fun, but I love it. <laughs> no comment on the first piece. Um, <laughs> the my, my question is for our California listeners. Um, Kristen, again, could you explain what an air conditioner is? <laughs> You all know them as swamp coolers, Fred. Swamp coolers. Uh, we're having a good time here, folks. Holly, what's wrong? You haven't had a big word in over three minutes. Um, serendipity. 
Okay, I'll give you that one. I love that word. (laughs) um, In in a not quite serendipitous um, uh, event, Kristen has some very big news, does she not, about her Molly Maid franchise? Maybe. <laughs> Better, but yeah, that's okay. Let's it Somebody text her. <laughs> we do have big news, Fred. Yes, we do. So we um, just made our third acquisition. So I just um, put officially today with our signature, or with my signature, the fourth Molly Made franchise completed purchase um, here in the Chicagoland area. And this last one um, increased our, I guess you could say, our annual sales kind of went up now by about 52%. Wow. So, um, and, <laughs> so that's one of the few non-magical kind of, word ones you'll get. Right. Yeah. I'm more of a simple girl, if you know what I mean. Um, so, yeah, no, I don't. that's what happened, and that <laughs> opens all kinds of avenues for our commercial business that we're working on, and obviously our residential business is our core, and um, huge opportunities in terms of employment and um, other opportunities for everyone involved. Okay, so you said commercial. Explain that woman. So meaning uh, small office, larger office space, non-residential space, um, apartment complexes, condominium buildings, things of that nature. We do not do restaurants. We do not do industrial. Those are completely a different animal. But in terms of general areas of condo buildings, in terms of general office space, things of that nature, um, the type of commercial spaces I'm referring to. But Molly Maids only do residential, don't they? That is our core. It does not mean that um, we do not do commercial. It depends on the individual franchisee whether or not they want to explore or uh, go into that type of business. There's, it's, a, it's a totally different business. It requires... Uh, different hours, it requires different employees, employee types, I should say, sometimes different equipment. So um, the model is built on residential services, and it's built primarily um, to facilitate a different type of lifestyle than what commercial business tends to drive, I'll say, Um but I think that once you get your business to a certain point and or if you have interest in going the commercial route and you have the right staff to help you build that type of business, it's certainly not uh, It's not something that's difficult to do necessarily and it's not something that can't be done. It's a good complement to our core of residential business. Holly? Yeah, Kristen. So, uh, you know, you made that third acquisition. And obviously, um, I just want to emphasize, you know, women in business, you know, women in business, you um, you really have 
done a really amazing job, and I'm going to say the word, Fred, with your life balance. Um, you mm. have <laughs> – yeah, Fred's a champion for that, and I, and I really give him a lot of credit. You know, that the work-life balance is, is not always something that, that comes naturally for people. You know, sometimes we go heavy hitters on one end or the other. And you seem to have done that seamlessly, and, and I, I just like to hear a little bit more from you, Kristen, of maybe some of the lessons along the journey that, that kind of put you in this place where you are able to, um, again, I think very seamlessly um, flow your, your home life and your work life. Hmm, that's a big question. Um, well, I think there are several components to that, and I would be remiss in not mentioning that um, while we live in an area um, where we do not have any immediate family, so we don't have grandparents to help out, um, I can't negate the fact that there are times that I have to uh, lean on my partner to help take care of the kids here and there. Um, but he does travel, and so there are times that, you know, I don't have that that help. Um, and when the children were very small, we did have to get babysitters, and we had an au pair for a while so that I could focus on the business, and then we shifted and didn't have that, and the business allowed me because it was primarily built on residential. It didn't require late nights, and it didn't require weekends. It allowed me to be there, and we were able to go, or I was able to go to baseball. I was able to take them to hockey. I was able to be there on the weekends and go to school plays and things like that. And, you know, the good news is in housekeeping, there's no such thing as, like, a life-threatening emergency, right? So the toilet game right. didn't get scrubbed. It's a problem. We can fix it. But nobody's going to die if you have a ring in your toilet. You know, nobody's going to die if the carpet didn't get cleaned. <laughs> it's, you know, it may feel like that, that if someone's going to, it may make you really mad, but in the end, it's not a showstopper and it can be taken care of. And so um, I think picking the, the type of business that allows that uh, balance is important. I think, again, yeah. we talked previously on the show about having the right people working for you is important. And I think picking the right time in your life is really important because, um, you know, when we chose this business, I did it when two of my kids were young. My third was not expected. My third came as a big surprise after I bought the business. Okay. So uh, he is and continues to be my curveball. And um, (laughs) now that they're older, we've made two acquisitions. We bought two territories, two additional territories in the last 12 months. And it's become easier because now they can be home alone. You know, my oldest is 14, my second is 13, and my other is 11. So yeah, um, okay. as they become more independent, you know, then you can devote more time at work and pick and choose when you need to be at home. And so it's really, uh, there's a lot of moving components and there's a lot of things you have to think of. And, you know, as with anything, you have to kind of think of what the end, keep your, the end in mind, right? My goal is to make sure that my right. business is big enough so that when it's time to put three kids in college, um, financially I'm positioned to do that. And so right. um, as a as of right now, things are on track. So that's all. Okay. So then, and and so then I want to ask. So you said, when are they in college? <laughs> when are they gonna be in college? <sighs> what do we have? Twenty twenty two. Twenty. Wait. No. 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 Twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty. 
2025. So that means by 2021, you should have bought two more territories? <laughs> I think I'm going to be able to the territories I have, actually. Oh, no, I'm already right. working. Working on the next ones after that. We got this one nailed down. Let me along. I know. You 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 have me and Ray in uh, Molly made domination mode already. Um, <laughs> but, you know, and, and I do. I mean, I think that if you're in a territory-driven franchise, um, I, I do look at it a little bit like the game of Monopoly. Um, if somebody lands in your territory or on your, on your space, right, you win, providing you have a good product. <laughs> good process and good service, right? That's the way it goes. However, um, if you have good market penetration and you provide those three things well, you don't need more. You just need, you don't need more space, right? You just need more within your area. So I think you can still win the game without having to um, continue to grow bigger. You just grow deeper, right? So you build hotels instead of houses, as in the game of Monopoly. Right. So, right. Right. I look at it more like Battleship that you have to wipe out everybody else on the board. But go ahead, Holly. And, and that would be the Mars and Venus analogy right there. <laughs> hey, you know what? Yeah, well, I think I, I like both. So there you go. So I, I like uh, I like both strategies. I think they're both useful. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I think so, the, battle, the Battleship is definitely when it comes to competition, but within – you know, your own brand, I don't think that you need to battleship. I think battleship is, is more for the competition, you know. Right, right, absolutely. Well, and honestly, I think the best business minds um, of our century have found a way to, uh, you know, put together in a dramatic way almost uh, collaboration and competition. And when those when those two forms come together, there there is um, something seriously uh, profitable there for for all parties, and it sounds like uh, you really think that way. I, I think it's awesome. So, Kristen, I want to get into a little more depth about you know some of the things that that you do, if that's all right. Uh, first thing would be um, you know, I'd like to bring this up because again, this is uh, you know for audience, this is women in business. This is not specifically about franchising. Um, so, what I'd really like to to highlight is is the areas uh, of your business life, Kristen, and one of those areas is obviously um, the the work you do for the victims of domestic violence with the Ms. Molly Foundation. Would you like you know tell our listeners a little bit about what you do with that and and how they can how they can help? Well, um, the really cool thing that uh, just ended yesterday, but not ended ended so as most people know yesterday and the day before was um prime day for amazon and um all year round if you go to i believe it's smile.amazon.com i believe there's a smile button there and i apologize for not having the link handy on the top of my head um you can mm-hmm. support all the local charities whichever your favorite charity is mine actually happens to be the miss molly foundation of course i sit on the board for the miss molly foundation and miss molly foundation um, ha- was founded by Molly Maid, Molly Maid's founder, several years ago, close to 40 years now, um, and it is a foundation that supports victims of domestic violence. They decided to form that foundation because of the really kind of relevance that it had to the employees that Molly Maid um, had. Obviously, initially, 
most victims of domestic violence were females and initially and mostly Molly made employees tend to be females. Um, obviously today with um, mixed lifestyles and relationships, we find that there are more males, more victims that come out of LGBTQ relationships. Um, it's really anybody can be a victim of domestic violence, children. Um, it tends to run in generations through families, rather. And so um, the foundation, the Miss Molly Foundation, is a way that Molly Maid owners and their customers and really anybody else, but mainly uh, all of the franchisees for the most part, there are very few of us that don't um, participate. Myself, I know Ray's a big proponent of it too. We donate a portion of every clean that our customers do or pay for uh, to the foundation. So for every clean you have done through Molly Made of Bloomingdale, a portion of that clean gets donated to the foundation. And then the foundation allows us to choose which local charity we want our money to go to. And once a year they cut a check to the foundation to help support their local, um, whether it's the safe house, whether it's the programs that they uh, provide for the victims or whatnot. So um, that's kind of, you know, that was one of the reasons that I chose the Molly Maid franchise as opposed to some of the others because we didn't have a way to give back. Okay. Thank you for that. It's, uh, the, the, everyone out there, you know, can they get a hold of you about this? Can they talk to you more about this if they want to donate uh, their time, talent, uh, treasure? Sure. You The, the easiest way to go to it, it really is if you go to mollymade.com, there's a big um, thing at the bottom for the Ms. Molly Foundation. Um, everybody will be seeing very soon in the month of October is the big Ms. Molly Drive. So if you follow us on Facebook, either at mollymade.com or our own personal pages, mollymadebloomingdale.com, um, any of your Molly Maid pages will have tons and tons of information about the Ms. Molly Foundation on them. Um, but just simply going to mollymade.com uh, or mismollyfoundation.com, you will be able to find um, boatloads of information. You can go directly online and make a donation. Um, or, again, if you um, are a Molly Maid customer, um, simply ask the, the person that signs you up or the person that you pay, whether that's on the phone through the office or you write a check, make sure that, uh -huh. you're, that you're asking, hey, do you guys donate to the Molly Foundation for this clean? It doesn't change your price. It's, it's part of what the owner does. We we take out of our profits and donate to the foundation. So, so in other words, if somebody calls you so you can clean their house, they also end up donating. They do. They don't realize it, but they do. Okay. I mean, they realize so it because I tell them, but, you know, I don't charge <laughs> them to donate. Okay, so in other words, a clean house and a donation uh, to domestic violence awareness, and as Ray would say, not just domestic violence, but domestic violence awareness is what happens if they get a clean house from you. Yeah, you kind of clean up your house and clean up your community at the same time. Ooh, nicely done. And with that, we'll, we'll go for a commercial break, and we want to thank the Link Local Network for broadcasting our show. You can check out linklocalnetwork.com and get – uh, authors uh, viewpoints on work-life balance something that 
uh, Holly brought up before. Uh, you can dial in with questions at 323-580-5755. That's 323-580-5755. And now, a word from our sponsor. Zarian Firm International Business Brokers is truly unique in the business resale space. While the average business broker uses one standard multiplier across all businesses and industries to value a business, Zarian Firm is the only business brokerage that looks at the five factors of distinction in each individual business. This gives our sellers a true value and our buyers a fair price. Zarian offers sellers the choice of three marketing packages based on how quickly they want to sell their business. But all of our businesses sell 33% faster than the industry norm. Zarian Firm International Business Brokers connects premium investors with validated business opportunities. Hey, franchise owners. How is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new move-ins to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine with a y.com. Thank you, Holly and Michelle there. Uh Programming note, we had said last week that we had hoped to be broadcasting live video this week, but unfortunately, uh, that obviously is not happening, but from what I'm told from our tech team, uh, we got a good shot at it next week, so hopefully next week you'll be able to tune in live and watch Holly flip me off and me make silly faces when she uses big words. Back to you, Holly. Oh, there we go. We got the first one of the day. <laughs> 31 minutes into the show. The first flip off of Fred for the day. Yes, folks. We're back in blast. Oh, I need to have that <laughs> clip on there. Okay. I couldn't read this. She brought it up, and my finger was itching. You know how it goes. All right. So, Kristen, um, you have. Thank you for sharing everything about, you know, the Ms. Molly Foundation. I think that's fantastic that you do that. Uh, I want to dig in a little bit more about your business. Um, Obviously, you're growing and expanding, and you did it, you know, in a nice, balanced way with with your family. I just, again, I I emphasize that, you know, you're you're kind of an icon in that. So, you know, Molly May, can you tell us a little bit, you know, for those out there that, are listening, they want to, you know, they're looking in businesses to invest, they're, they're women. Tell us the advantages uh, for, you know, and, I, and I, I'm not, you know, doing any prejudice against our, our male audience, but 
But, you know, obviously the company is good for both. But are there areas of Molly made that really actually are conducive to a woman who maybe stays home with her kids or, or maybe has just left the workforce to start having a family or, or you know, maybe you can enlighten us a little bit about that? So, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, and you're right. I mean, I think that it is more about um, – Background, experience, people's skills, I'll say, not necessarily gender-specific, but I do think what makes Molly made a good model for um, a female going back into the workforce is because the model is primarily driven off residential um, service, and those hours tend to be uh, family-friendly. I think that's a bonus. Um, I think because the workforce tends to be Female, uh, there's a common understanding among females there. I think most of the people that we have working for us tend to be, um, I'm going to say semi-mature. Most of them tend to be moms themselves. So there's some common um, things in common that we can understand and um, have a little bit of compassion with each other. Um, mm-hmm. My situation is a little bit different. Like I had some HR background before. Obviously, that's really important. Um, I just think that for the person going back to work, the hours are easier. I think that you know our primary target in a customer tends to be the female. Um, some of the feedback that I've heard, I've had. My cousin helped me when I was pregnant with my third son or my third child, my son Jake, and uh, he would go out and meet with people. And he's the most unthreatening, unassuming person that you could ever meet. And well, people click to him very easily. Um, the one thing that I heard when I would go out after him is that, "Oh, good, you're a female." And I would get a lot of comments about other companies that would send men out, and women were just more comfortable having a woman come alone to their house because often you have a um, female at home alone calling for an estimate and it might be in the Mm -hmm. evening and like they like to meet with the owner and they're more comfortable if a woman comes into their house than having a man so you know that in some ways works out really well Um, again I can't say that that's true for every situation that wouldn't be right um I think sure. in some situations, um, men do a, a really great job with the business. But sure. I think in Absolutely. terms of going back to work and wanting to start your own business, especially somebody that came out of the workforce and maybe had HR background, had some business training, um, I think it's a great it's a great franchise to look into. I really do. Right, and, and and I just want to emphasize to the audience, you know, that this is this was not a segregation of male and female in this question. It literally was um, to to really focus on advantages for women who you know raise their children and can come back into the workforce. Clearly, Molly Maid has as many. You know, I'm not sure that actually the ratio, but they have many male owners that are very successful in it. So it wasn't to. Um, to exclude that, that counterpart, um, it was really just to um, excite uh, women that there are. Um, this is a fantastic opportunity um, to transition yeah, and, and it is. Uh, back into this role. 
it is a segment on women in business, so you know it it, it makes sense. So, I mean, I think that um, I think a company, a franchise like Molly Made, and many other franchises, and in general, I think a lot of franchisors would love to see more women step up and want to own their own business. I mean, and I think you see that, Holly, in in your business as well. More and more women would love to be their own bosses, and right. you know, we don't see maybe as much today as we did say 10 years ago or 12 years ago, but downsizing, when downsizing happened all over the country, you know, luckily I got out before all that happened, <laughs> but um, I would have been running to, to something like this as well um, because it just made sense. I mean, now, you know, your customers are the only ones that can downsize you, and quite frankly, that's your number one job is to make sure that never happens. Yeah. You know, right. so. Ready there. Good thing Ray's not. Good thing Ray's not here. Ray's Why? a petty bear. I'm not worried about Ray. <laughs> Ray's the guy that could go in the house and nobody thinks twice about Ray being in the house because he's the teddy bear. He's like a gentle, you know, a gentle guy that walks in and everybody invites him to sit down and have coffee. You know. Yeah. You have yeah, seen he yeah. shaved the beard. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it was surprising last week to see him without face hair. I mean, just wow. So wait, no, I did ahead. not see him without face hair. Oh yes, but, he's but I have he's seen clean shaven from the fifties. Okay. Well, no, I'm sure I'll see him in San Antonio. Yes, I'm sure you will. <laughs> 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 I love Molly Mead. Um, Go ahead, Ali. Take it away. I'm being quiet because, hey, you know what? It's Women in Business Day. I love Day. it. Yeah, you're just sticking those little words in at why just to make sure that everybody's listening and awake. You know, I love that. But I think we've got some good things going on here, Kristen. I really um, I love I love the way you think. I love what you've done with your business. I'm going to get to some really fun questions if you're ready. Okay, you didn't. You didn't. You're gonna, you're gonna, that means everything is on the table. Nothing is off limits, right? For, for me, yeah. <laughs> okay, nothing's off limits. Okay. All right. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna be good. I I won't I won't I won't embarrass you for sure. Um, but you can tell us okay. something now. This is a really important question. Um, when when uh, you went out to California to visit Fred, how much did he drink over the course of the three days or however many days you were there? And I'm not I'm not mm. talking about water. <laughs> but was so he completely if, good? So if you expected Fred to be a big drinker, you would probably be disappointed. Yes, I agree. <laughs> Yeah. And what does he um, do for the, fun, Kristen? Share with well, us. The, the interesting thing with Fred is that while you can enjoy um, cocktails with Fred, Fred has this brain that is um, – he and I feed off each other. We're like two schizophrenics. And um, <laughs> we, we – we get these crazy ideas, and if we just had somebody to write them all down and somebody to start working on them, 
we might actually have a lot of really cool businesses under they're in development right now. Um, sure. But it, it was a great time. I mean, really, he he is an amazing, um, amazingly creative individual, um, and it doesn't Thanks. take more. It, it doesn't take much to get that brain going. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, so, so Kristen, you know, back to back to women in business. What what kind of advice would you give? You know, you know, I, and it can be one thing. It can be three. It doesn't. It doesn't really matter. But if you can give us a few pieces, gems of wisdom and advice that you would give to. Uh, you know, women in business, women maybe starting out, and, and women that are facing some of their earlier challenges in their businesses. Could you could you share with with us some of your um, your your sage advice? That's a big word. Is sage a big word? No, that's four <laughs> letters. That's not big. Right. Uh, whatever. So I, I, I'm always corrected. Um, I'm always corrected by people in my family for for calling things the wrong things. So I'm going to use the word cliche, and it's probably wrong, but. Um, always beginning with the end in mind and start with the big picture of like, where do you want to go? Right. Where do you want to go? Where do you want to be in the end? I think that's really important. Um, and, and you have to keep reminding yourself of that because especially in the beginning, you're going to have more bad days than good. And um, mm-hmm. you, you can't allow yourself to get defeated for long. It's okay to have a breakdown it's okay to go cry in your soup now and then, <laughs> but then you got to put yeah. on your big girl panties, put on your big girl panties and, and get on with the day. And, you know, I used to be told um, in my previous career back in the day before um, men understood, haha, um, the differences between men and women, right? It was men are passionate and women are emotional. And I have to tell you, it's okay to be emotional when you're passionate and mm-hmm. I think I think that um, sometimes we back down and we don't need to so yeah. um, I would say you know don't be afraid to stand up for yourself because when you're starting this business you're going to have some adversity and you're going to run into some people who might try to push you aside and if you believe strongly in what you're doing you have to keep pushing forward. And then don't forget, probably most importantly, to just take a day here and there to blow off the day. Go get your pedicure. Go get your hair done. Go get your nails done. Go get a massage. Because if you don't take care of yourself, you're not going to have any time or energy to recharge and take care of your family, take care of your business, I mean, really, you can just burn yourself out. I mean, those are probably the most important things. But don't ask me to sure. those in the same order again because I don't know that I could. But really, those are just well, like top all right. of mind. So we have a question from the Pillars website, um, one of our live listeners, um, that has asked, once a question asked, what does the support of the Molly made network of owners throughout the company mean to you, Kristen? Ooh. Oh, wow. It's amazing. Okay. I didn't so that up I, yeah, that's a great question. Um, it happens to be one of the reasons again, believe it or not, that we chose Molly made. Um, imagine having like a fraternity house, 
No, that's a bad example. <laughs> uh, Animal House. Uh, Sorry. Uh, yeah, a, a group of um, subject matter experts that you can call when you're having a bad day or you've got a question or you just have an idea you'd need to bounce off people. I mean, literally, I've never picked up the phone and called any one of the owners and found that somebody was a real tool on the other end. Like, everybody has been really nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you're a vendor. People don't like to talk to vendors, right? They they think you want their money, <laughs> you know. But if it's another owner, you call and you say, hey, listen, I've got a problem with this employee, or, hey, I'm looking to buy another car. What do you drive? Or, you know, I had this problem with this with this um, this chemical. I'm not too sure what you know what happened here. I mean, they are amazing, amazing people. And because we have exclusive territories, nobody's trying to one up the other one. We're always trying to help each other and make the brand better. So we, in my opinion, really with Molly Made, and because we're not because we're exclusive, we don't compete with one another. You really kind of believe in it's an all-win or all-lose, right? Here in Chicago, we have an amazing network of owners. We have a co-op. We all pitch in money every month to do um, Chicagoland marketing. We all vote on how the money is spent. We have an oversight committee on how we spend that money. Um, I happen to be one of those members this year, which is awesome. And um, it, it's really it's a big difference. If you're out there looking for a franchise and you go to validate, really pay attention to um, how the conversations go when you talk to some of the franchisees because anybody you validate with, you'll get a really good feel for what type of businesses they have when you talk to those people. If they're warm and they're caring and they're nice and they're really uh, forthcoming, that probably means they've got a really good network. Mm-hmm. That's a great answer, Kristen. Kristen, I, you said something a little bit earlier that triggered a, a follow-up question with me, and that was when you talked about, you know, you have your, your bad days, and you said, you know, you still got to get your, your big girl panties on. Well, I can tell you, you know, from experience, and I'm certain that this is um, likely shared with many of our audience uh, today, you know, there are days when it is tough, you know, and, and when you're doing a business on your own and there's not a paycheck coming in on a day-to-day and you're creating your own wealth. Again, you know, not to not to plug my book there, but but there are days when you you look and he's laughing. Of course he is. Here, here Fred, look in the look in the Zoom camera. Um, That's number you know, there, two, there, folks. There, there are days when it is it is very difficult. And you say, you know, literally, excuse my language. What the hell am I doing this for? You know, what is the purpose to all this? What's the purpose to my existence? What's the What's the purpose to my day, and and why am I doing this? And and you know, and it's just a moment, and and you can get your head back on track pretty easily. But sometimes it takes something to shift it. And you know, most um, talk about you know, um, you know, we've got Richard Branson, you know, Tony Robbins. They all have tools that they use to make that shift, to to move them out of that moment. You know, Tony Robbins, you know, you know, is a champion for music. You know, diving into ice cold, you know, pools and walking on coals of fire. And I really, you know, botched that because it really, he, he likes the shift with the music. Um, I think vibration's a great shift. And I know, you know, Richard Branson does, the, you know, the same. Uh, you know, I, and so let's ask what Kristen, and what, what Kristen Salmezzi does. What do you do to shift when you're on the wrong, wrong track and, you know, of no you know, conscientious uh, uh, reason for that happening? 
<laughs> yeah, I'm um, still kind of lost in that question, but that's okay. Oh, she understood I, it. She's just thinking of her answers. Yeah, I, I'm thinking if I want to tell you the, the true answer or the, you know, I'm just kidding. No, um, you don't. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, you do. Sorry, yeah, honestly, wrong answer. I wasn't listening. For, uh, never mind. <laughs> Give us a fake one and the true one. Actually, we want to know the truth. If you don't mind, Kristen, that'd be great. You know what? Honestly, <laughs> my friends are my therapy, and so if I can just get together with my friends and go and laugh, at laughter, it, for me, is the best therapy. And you know what? Sometimes it starts with crying and ends with laughter, and it's a matter of being able to find somebody who wants to listen to my sob story for 10 minutes. And then um, and whether that happens to be with a glass of wine or not. And, um, <laughs> you know, I am a very – I'm an affectionate person, so I, you know, I greet everyone with a hug, and that's a huge, huge, huge um, stress relief for me right away. Even when I meet people, it's like, oh, okay, good, we're friends now. And, um, and when that fails, I go shopping, believe it or not. Um, yeah. I could spend hours yeah. shopping and, and spend money on things I don't need, and I usually return them all. But it's there's something about that therapy, you know. <laughs> um, that's my not 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 my favorite one to do, but um, spending time with people I care about is my my absolute favorite thing to do. That's awesome. Thanks, Kristen. Okay, and you know, because Fred's sitting there, kind of giggling. You know, uh, Fred, what is yours? You know, share with our audience. You know, what is, what is that one thing that shifts you? Um, you've been through, you know, more in a lifetime than most people ever ever experienced. So tell tell us what you do because you know, obviously you're you're a oh here we go for the pun a pillar um, in this uh, industry. Uh, uh, so so let us know some of your tricks. Well, I find shifting one thing that really shifts your outlook on life is having a heart attack. Um, it, it, it radically realigns. <laughs> well, there's true that you just asked me one thing. I'm hanging out with my grandkids also is radically shifts my, um, my viewpoint. So yeah, grandkids and heart attacks. Okay. You know what? Let's just stick with the grandkids for now. Um, cause I don't think we want you to have multiple heart attacks, Fred, but yeah, I don't we're gonna we're gonna ask uh, we're gonna ask Rebecca. She's gonna be on in about ten minutes. The same question um, as well. So Rebecca, get ready for that one. Well, maybe we'll start you off with that. So yeah, do you have any questions uh, for her, Fred? Who? Rebecca or Kristen? Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> Kristen. Silly. Hmm. Question for Kristen. Well, I, she hasn't asked the one that I asked, answered the one I asked before, which is when are we taking over another territory and which one? Yeah, good question. Fred, you know that. Oh, sorry, that's, that's the secret bat plan. Forgot about that. Undisclosed. Yeah. No, she said nothing's off limits. Time out, folks. Uh, looks like. Uh, another question. Uh, oh, sorry, I just got ringing in my ears, which meant some another live listener may have a question. So I'll keep playing with the people, the, the growing number of people on my inbox, and you can ask another question. 
Okay, great. Kristen, when we're going forward in your business now, you know, we've just got a few minutes left with you. You know, can you give us kind of your three- to five-year trajectory? And then um, I've got a follow-up to that as well. So the next three- to five-year trajectory. So because we just made uh, two pretty good-sized purchases, like I said, in the last 11 months, um, obviously we've I kind of have a different approach than a a lot of people. Again, I mean, we're kind of taking a lot of the girls we have back to basics. I need to make sure that the girls we have have the skill sets they need to carry us forward. Um, Our business is a reputation-based business, so we are going back and doing a lot of retraining. We're continuing to market. We have some markets that are um, from a growth perspective right now, um, they've been underperforming for the previous ownership. They are ready to be marketed to. Um, and so the next three to five years are going into those areas and really marketing heavy, heavily to them, getting involved in those communities, supporting those sports teams and things like that. Um, we'll certainly not neglecting the current uh, communities that support us so well, you can never do that. Um, but a lot of those, you know, you're established, they know you're there. Um, and then secondary to that is to really start to open up the commercial business. And, you know, I'm hoping to find a partner who understands that business and who's somebody that can come in and kind of uh, launch almost like a second side to my operation who can help identify the needs that we have to launch, you know, a Molly made commercial, uh, I'll call it, uh, what's the word I'm looking for model, so to speak, um, because it is very different than what we're doing today. Um, and really in, in the next three to five years, I think we would be ready certainly to take on another territory, but again, you know, I, I really see us. I really, I know, Fred. I really want to work on just dominating and driving the penetration rate that we have right here in the territory we have. Our footprint is is really quite large, and it's very dense. This is a dense territory that we have, and uh, I think that we we easily have the ability to be a three million dollar business right where we are right now. That's awesome. So, all right, so then since she asked the three- to five-year question, so do you think you will end up turning the business over to your kids? Well, that's interesting because um, I would like to be able to do that. I think that as they see the business grow, I mean, they're certainly enjoying the – the fruits of the labor of that business now. They enjoy spending whatever they happen to uh, see come in the front door. They don't understand how money is made, but they sure like to spend it. So once they figure out that you have to actually go to work to make that money, um, I'm hopeful that one of them will decide that it's actually a pretty good deal. You know, my youngest has no clue uh, how that works. And all he says is, Mom, you just clean houses. What's the big deal? You know, um, 
it's just that simple for him. <laughs> my daughter yeah. has been work- my daughter's been working in the business this summer, and uh, we've been making her vacuum and fold towels, and she just started answering phones. So um, she's still thinking that that's pretty fun. So I think they're still kind of young to determine, um, but they're all pretty pretty smart kids. So we'll see. We'll see if they think that it's uh, up their alley or not. It will so, certainly be something that will be good for them to inherit should they choose to to do so. So what I'm hearing is, is if they take it over, that will bring up a multi-generation battle for Chicago dominance in the, or for dominance <laughs> in the Chicago residential cleaning, <laughs> won't it? So wow. what I hear you saying is you want the Pillar family versus the Shalmetsi family. <laughs> I think not. Eventually, I think you'll all merge, and and I'm fine with that either way. You know, my job will be ongoing there to, again, make you all lots of money, but that's beside the point. So, okay. Yes. So, we shall see. First, I'd like to have my my swanky little condo on the beach somewhere and not even be worrying about this stuff, but we'll see. Well, I told you there's – didn't you tell me that there's a territory open in San Luis Obispo County? I did. I think you ought to buy that one. <laughs> Love it. Deduct your, deduct your taxes to come out here and see me. Go ahead, Holly. There you go. And then you can take your esoteric minds and converge them. I love it. That's not quite a long word. It's kind of a mid-sized word, so only half half credit there. Ooh, double finger, folks. First one of those in a couple several weeks. So, fifty-eight minutes into the show, we've got a double finger. Yes. <laughs> Kristen, end game. Um, let's you know my follow up on the question and, and try to move right into to the the world I was thinking as well. So. So what's your end game? On the day, you know, excuse this, you know, it, I don't mean to be fatalistic, but, you know, when the, when the day comes when you take your last, you know, few breaths, I mean, what do you want to have said, you know, that you have accomplished? What, what are you going to hang your hat on? What, you know, what, is, what are those thoughts um, that you hope to have in your, in your mind? You know, honestly, that's, that's kind of one of those things that I don't often think about, Um the only thing I could ever hope is that I was a good parent if I, mm-hmm. you know, have a long enough life where I was a good grandparent, great. Um, I want to make a difference for people. I'd like to make a difference in the community. Everybody wants to make a difference in the world, right? But, right. you know, how big of a difference you make. I'm I'm a pretty realistic person. I'm not really much of a dreamer when it comes to that stuff, so... I'm not somebody who's going to say, oh, you know, I I, I want to have a star named after me, although that ironically is pretty easy to do these days. Um, yes. That's really not me. I just want to know that I have a sense of peace, that I've done all I could do, um, you know, in my little corner of the world. And um, I want to know that, you know, in the end, I lived the best life that I could for me and for my children and, you know, with the person I care about. And that's kind of that's kind of it. I just, I don't, 
spend too much time thinking about that, I think, because I'm so busy worrying about if I've missed an appointment and where I have to be in the next two hours. Yeah, that's actually, I think that's, that's a beautiful answer. I mean, that you know, you're, you're a wise one, but also a humble, kind one. You can tell just by the way you answered that question. Thank you for sharing that with us. And I think Fred's got your last question here. No, I'll ask it later at the end when we can do it um, with both Kristen and Rebecca. However, I do want to point out two things. One, Holly has started a trend because now I'm getting flipped off on the live chat. So good job, Holly. And two, Holly's Holly's last words will be... As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. So, oh, I do love you. I take one of my flips back off. Uh, yes, I'm getting all kinds of emojis on the live chat now. So, why don't you why don't you bring Rebecca in and 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 uh, Let's talk to Rebecca, see how many times you can use big words then. (laughs) I would love to. Rebecca, my friend, I'm so glad that you're on the show tonight. This is fantastic. Tonight for me, this afternoon for Fred, depending on where you are in the country. Um, We've had international listeners listeners as well, so welcome to all of them. Rebecca, yes, great. Thank you for having us. So, uh, Rebecca, we already know about Fred. You just took off your shirt. What okay. is he doing? Put the clothes on. Oh my goodness! You didn't tell you me know this what? was an R-rated show. Rebecca and I are leaving our shirts on. Okay, just saying. Yeah. Look, he just went under. I love it. Do I, yeah, it's horrible. All right. Hey, Sorry, getting overly sweaty. I can't wait to see what the emojis are coming across now in the live chat. So, Rebecca, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, you know, we I want to start off with the question that we asked Kristen. Um, you know, what, why don't you uh, go into how do you shift when you're in um, you, you, when you're in a in a funk? You know, let's start there, and then we'll we'll work backwards into your business. You know, that's a tough one because um, I am heart driven and sensitive. So over the years, I have found that difficult, especially um, when, you know, you're in a very competitive environment in business. So what I've learned seriously through just trial and error is, one, um, is for me to build my community. If I have around me a, a tribe, people that will, you know, kick that, feeling out, you know, by, by a, a dinner together, a movie together, a wonderful conversation. But by having a tribe around me gives me the opportunity to feel supported and feel nurtured and um, gives me advice when I'm not being particularly objective when I'm in my heart. So I think, I think that's a big part for me is, you know, just knowing where, where my tribe is and tapping into them. Um, you, of course, being one of those, Holly, that I that I tap into. 
And then I think the other thing is to remember that business sometimes looks like war. And as women, that sometimes is not a friendly thing to say. And we want to think it's all about kumbaya and let's all get along and let's help each other. But sometimes business does look like war. And by reminding myself that it, it, it is a time, it allows me to gird my loins, so to speak, and be prepared. Uh, to to take things on when it's necessary uh, to do that. Does that come natural as a woman? Probably not. I think what comes natural is to love and to nurture and to embrace and, and you know, to sing around the campfire, so to speak. But business doesn't mm-hmm. always allow us to do that. Sometimes we do have to do battle. And I have to remind myself that on a regular basis. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you've been very, very successful with your business, uh, Rebecca. Um, I'd love you to just take a few minutes and kind of tell our our, our listeners exactly what you do, uh, spell it out for them, and show them the value of, of what you've created. So Zorkle Profiles is a set of profiling tools that are franchise-specific. We work with uh, franchisors. And we work with franchise brokers and other vendors um, and value-added resellers within the franchise space. So our tools are built around a meta-analysis approach, which basically means we use seven different statistically validated sciences within a single tool, and that uh, tool then allows them to Um, get a deeper, more meaningful understanding of their prospective franchisee or their current uh, franchisees to get an idea, does this individual fit within our culture as a franchise system? Do they fit within our stage of growth? What are their skill sets? What drives them? What motivates them to do uh, what they do? So our tools help our franchisors to Um, determine if a franchisee is going to be compatible and goes a long way to predicting how well they're going to perform. And then for the broker, of course, it helps them uh, align a prospective franchisee within a franchise system where that franchise prospective franchisee has the highest likelihood of succeeding. Awesome. Wow. That's fantastic, Rebecca. And, And if you could help our listeners a little bit, you know, when did you begin doing this, and, and what were your origins? Because I think there's a lot of brokers and franchisors. You have so many clients and so many on, on lists um, of, of people that, that want to be with you and, and, and move into this world of, of very scientific assessments. Uh, you know, how did this start? What happened? Tell us, tell us your, um, your origins, Rebecca, please. So it's kind of like so many stories. It kind of takes twists and turns, right? So um, originally I was a therapist, and then later I became a trainer. I traveled the world teaching certain techniques to business owners uh, to deal with any kind of internal conflicting values, conflicting beliefs, but the things within us that prevent us from having the kind of success we want as business owners. So I've always worked with business owners. But franchising was new to me and was not introduced to me until 1993. 
And it was um, after many years of traveling and being a single mama and being absolutely exhausted from the travel and being a single mama, I went to bed one night and I, 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 I just prayed and I said, God, I cannot continue to travel like this and my life is out of balance so you've given me certain talents you've given me certain skills um where do you want me to apply them please god i i, I need an answer and i need an answer by morning i need to do something and i think many of us have had those kinds of just exasperated times and it was one of those times in my life and when i woke up i had two words what i believe was directly from god that said business broker and this was 1992 or 93, and uh, never in a million years had I heard the term business broker before. So I went to the Yellow Pages in San Diego, and I opened the Yellow Pages, and I looked for the business brokers, and there were four in San Diego County. And I called each of them, and I said, God told me to call you. <laughs> and, of course, three of the brokers thought I was nuts. I mean, they actually thought I was nuts, uh, with one exception, and that was Howie Bassick from FranNet. He, in my opinion, was the beginning of franchise brokering. He invented the industry, in my opinion. And so Howie says, come on over. I'll show you what I'm up to. And that was sort of my introduction into uh, franchising. But prior to that, I had had many years of um, experience in psychographic design, and I had a wonderful mentor, uh, Dr. Douglas Jackson. And so I had been teaching psychographics for many, many years and applying psychographics for many years, but not specifically in franchising. So the two kind of collided when I met um, Howie in 1993, and I began to understand this fascinating thing called franchising, which was something that was uh, dynamic and moving. A franchisor was ever-changing, and then you got a franchisee that was ever-changing, and I became fascinated with this interdependent relationship that I hadn't seen before when you had a solo entrepreneur or a businessman or a businesswoman out there building their own business. I just thought it was brilliant um, how franchising, uh, you know, just sort of combines the best of all into one big old happy way of doing business. Oh, that's fantastic. What a journey you've had, Rebecca. Uh, tell us a little bit. I, I don't want to take over. Fred, do you have any questions, or can I keep going a few more? Well, no. I actually, I, I do have a question. Um, and yeah. um, you talked about uh, being a woman or women in franchising, um, and you have all these wonderful trend tools, which lets Holly say big words. Um, <laughs> are you seeing any trends regarding women in franchising with respect to uh, younger women, single women, divorced women? Yes. As a matter of fact, it's been really fascinating uh, to observe. As you know, I've been uh, collecting data for 26 years, including data on age and, and, and uh, gender, and only recently have started to look at some of those uh, trends. 
And there are indeed some generational trends that go across the board, both male or female, um, that I'm honestly a little bit worried about, especially in the world of business and in the world of uh, franchising. Some of those trends being we're seeing a steady decline in someone's ability to make commitment. And, of course, growing a business requires commitment. So we're seeing this steady downward trend in commitment. And of course, a lot of that has to do with, uh, right, technology being like so easy and fast to uh, a world where we got um, trophies for barely exerting any kind of energy. Um, So we're in a world where it's about instant gratification and shortcuts. So we're seeing these commitment numbers uh, dropping. However, in this particular marker, we are not seeing that trend as dramatically with women. Women continue to be a species of commitment-oriented individuals. We are committed to our families. We are committed to our communities. We are committed to our jobs. We are committed to our business. We are wired for uh, commitment. So we're not seeing this marker dropping as dramatically with women as we are seeing with men. And I think this is going to at some point equate into a big difference in business. If someone is able to make a commitment and hang in there and have the grit and the tenacity and the resilience to get through things, much of what Kristen was talking about earlier, they're going to have greater success versus bouncing from one thing to another. And of course, I've seen several other trends, but that was one that I thought was fascinating and specific uh, to why we are seeing more women in franchising and more importantly, very successful women in franchising. All right. So then my follow-up question is when you talk, when you say commitment, are you talking civil commitment or criminal commitment? Oh, never mind. <laughs> no, he's talking mental commitment. Yeah. It is a mental commitment, Holly. That's exactly what it is. It's it's a, a commitment is one marker within this bigger mental thing commitment. called grip. Grit, right? The ability right. to Absolutely. no matter what, stay faithful to the outcome. Stay, keep the end in mind and go through the difficulties and, and do what is necessary to get there. That, that's what commitment is. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. See, the way, you de- the way you described that, I thought it was just being too stupid to quit. Um, <laughs> Holly, go ahead. Too stupid to quit. Let's, let's all not even go Did there. Did you just call women, there, just call women stupid? <laughs> no. Why would I do that? You know, the flipped off or stuff like that. He's not looking. <laughs> I would call everybody stupid, but not just women. So I'm an equal. Em- You're yeah, good. I'm an so we're in good company. Opp- <laughs> right. I'm an equal opportunity insulter. Um, yeah. <laughs> my friend Clive will tell you that if he's listening. I love it. No, so Rebecca, that's fascinating. I, I agree with you on the commitment. I mean, we think about, you know, those day-to-day and the times when, you know, there there are the rough patches. But, you know, I'll tell you what, um, 
I think it takes a personality at times. I think anybody can get into a franchise. I really think there's a lot of value to that because the systems and processes and procedures in there that you can replicate, duplicate, uh, really are are conducive for business ownership from all walks of life, from from young people all the way through to those who have retired. But when it comes to, you know, entrepreneurialism, which is what you are, the world you're in, women, uh, women in business, you have um, it's a different set of attributes, I think. Um, not that those with the entrepreneurial attributes can't succeed in franchising. In fact, they do very well and end up being usually multi-unit, you know, uh, owners. Uh, but, but it seems to me that in an entrepreneurial sense, there is that you're calling it grit, which I love, and commitment. But there's also that um, that that risk. You know, you know, it's way better in your mind to keep moving with no income coming in, forging forward with this job. You'd almost rather live on the street than go and punch a time clock with with some ass, you know, telling you what to do. And 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 that movement, that evolution of the spirit of the mind of, of I think, that really is a, a, a really strong trait of entrepreneurs, that ability to walk down the road and say, I will risk anything to make this purpose come to be, um, is that's where the, I think the nuances come in of that commitment and the struggle. Can you talk to that a little bit, Rebecca? Wow, I'm so glad you actually oh, shut up, Fred. Well, I got it. I, I got this girl inside and out. I love that you asked this question because I wanted to go towards that that risk thing. So it's not just um, the ability to take risk as an entrepreneur, but that again is another kind of um, negative correlation trend that we're seeing. The ability for people to take risk today is different than what we saw you know, seven years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. So that that ability to take risk is another downward trend that we're seeing. Um, And so when you have someone that has that capacity to to take a risk, to say, I I am not going to work for the man, right? I am going to take this risk and put it all on the line. That's a rare uh, individual. And, again, it's not an uncommon trait that we see within women. Women have risked most of their lives. Initially, years and years ago, it was risking trusting someone else with their future. Today, they can trust their future in their own hands and know how to collaborate and know how to um, move, move forward. But this, this capacity to risk is a, is a factor that is so important when you're going to be an, an entrepreneur um, and ultimately allows you to have the kind of grit that you're talking about to go through whatever needs to be uh, gotten through uh, to. Unfortunately, we have had a society in the last couple of decades that have removed all risk, right, have, have kind of protected our children and, and kept them from taking this kind of uh, risk. And so, this muscle of risk has also atrophied, just like the muscle of commitment has atrophied. And we're seeing that negative impact in, in franchising, this unwillingness to make that call when we should make that call or go to that meeting or that networking situation because we need to do that. To place a bid for a fair amount versus taking a less amount. 
this risk taker in us, uh, the, that muscle is atrophying, um, and yet it's required to be an entrepreneur. It's required to be a business owner. So obviously I'm, I'm preaching this saying we've got to find a way to teach our, our young people and our franchisees that risk is part of life. Risk is part of doing business. Risk will give you the reward that you're looking for. You can't have everything without some level of risk. I think oh, that there are – I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, I, I will tell you that as somebody who did risk it all, okay, and somebody who's still trying to replace it all, um, I, I agree with you that it, it takes <laughs> a lot of guts to to risk it all, and it's not for the faint of heart. And I think one thing that the young entrepreneurs have to have access to today is funding because if you think about the number of people who, as a young person, as you mentioned, have a 401K to go to or have property to go to. Now, I had property. I had a 401K to go to. And I leveraged that stuff to be able to fund my business along with liquid assets. But not everybody has those. And so I think where we get into this pickle is that you have young people who say, yeah, I really want to do it, but I don't really have anything. And if you don't have parents who have money or you don't have a spouse that works, now, sometimes it's a matter of where do I get that? And kids are coming out of college today strapped with huge student loans. You know, there has to be there has to be resources available, and we have to start talking about, you know, people in maybe lower income or not so good areas, where do they find funding for that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, think, I think the issue Thanks. of funding is, is one of many resources that these um, generation, you know, Millennial and Generation Z are going to be going to be dealing with, um, but I think there's also additional risk, and and that is the emotional, social, and relational risk factors that they have that maybe I, Kristen, as a baby boomer, didn't have. You probably have it more, and then the generation after you is going to have it more. Is the social, emotional, and relational risk? When I took Absolutely. the risk to be an entrepreneur. I took it, and about the only people that knew were my family and my my clients. Today, with social media and the need to be get affection and attention and love from the outside world, um, the risk is even higher for this last couple of generation because the the failure or the potential for failure is much more public than it it once was, and the embarrassment of any kind of making a mistake or or failing in any way is much more public and detrimental. We, I didn't have those kinds of risks. I took a risk, started one business, failed, started another business, failed, and about the only person that knew was me, right? Today that's not right. the yep. way it is. So it's the emotional risk, the social risk, and the relational risks. And when I bring up yep. the relational risks, uh, the, uh, the reason I bring that up is in my generation, the boomer generation, we had a solid sense of community, right? We had each other's back. We had commitment. Um, where the last couple of generations, they call someone a friend that you've never met, but you're connected on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, but they're not true friends. You, They don't have your back. In fact, the minute you stumble a little bit, they, they make fun of you, they bully you, and they pick on you. 
So the risk factor is, is in all of those areas, financially, emotionally, relationally, and socially. And so we're seeing two generations growing up without this muscle, not just the, not the finances, but without the muscle of commitment and without the muscle of, um, of risk that they're going to need to succeed uh, in, in business. So they don't have the, the support that we may have had um, in my generation. Uh, and to me, that's going to be something that franchisors and, and, and anyone is going to have to pay attention to in the future. Good points, Kristen. Thank you for bringing that up. Okay. All right. So never mind. <laughs> never mind. We won't open that can of worms. Go ahead, I think Holly. it's time for a commercial, Fred. <laughs> okay. So we'll remind our callers and all those people that are flipping me off online. Um, Holly has actually gotten a multiple flip-off. Um, it'll be interesting to see next. It's interesting to see next week if she does the flip-off dance. Um, but we want to remind our, call, our listeners that they can call in at 323-580-5755. That's 323-580-5755. Or you can go to pillarsoffranchising.com and live chat with me, and we'll insult each other because I'll do that. I'm happy to insult people whether I know them or not. And now a word from a sponsor. Are you thinking about opening a business? Whether you're in transition from a corporate job, looking to generate investment income, add to your existing business, or just too young to retire, come to the Great American Franchise Expo and explore your options. Meet face-to-face with dozens of franchise executives representing dozens of quality brands. A wide range of price points and ownership models are available. Attend our free seminars on accounting, real estate, and marketing. Franchise law experts will be there to answer your questions and banks are on hand to discuss loans and financing. The first 100 attendees will receive free VR goggles. For free tickets, visit www.franexpousa.com. The Great American Franchise Expo, coming to a city near you in 2019. Check our website for schedules. So, as Abel was saying, the next Great American Franchise Expo is at the Prime Osborne Convention Center in Jacksonville. Uh, that's September 7th and 8th, and there's another one in Washington, D.C. Maybe we can give a whole lot of politicians jobs, October 5th and 6th, 2019. And now, yes, you guessed it, there is actually one more commercial, Kristen. Shall I play it? Okay, she gave me a head nod. Ever wonder how successful business people get educated about franchise business options? The Franchise Consulting Company is a group of over 100 franchise professionals with more than 2,000 years of franchise experience. We help our clients select and investigate franchise companies. And like a realtor, our services are free of charge to you. Our fees are paid by the seller. Reach out to us to learn more and get a free copy of the Franchise MBA, the number one bestseller and highest reviewed book on Amazon in the franchise category. Our website is thefranchiseconsultingcompany.com or feel free to call us on 800-321-6072. Note, 
You don't even have to call the phone number. You can just fill out the form on the PillarsOfFranchising.com website and get a copy of the Franchise MBA. Or if you decide you want a book written from a woman point of view or a female point of view, Holly, what book can they get? Yeah, they can get they can get my book. I don't know if it's such a female point of view. I don't know. I think a lot of it was inspired by this show, Fred. So um, my, my book is Create Your Own Wealth. It's a collection of two-minute topics and franchising. And those were all derived from, from segments that we did uh, last year on the Pillars of Franchising show. And they're, they're really some good, fun um, lead-ins. But the content uh, gives you a quick overview on franchising, and it really – um, we'll equip you to make good good decisions, and we'll be glad to get you a copy of that book. We'll give it to you for free. Just uh, you know, write in, call in, do whatever you need to do, and and we'll we'll be glad to to touch that with you. And uh, Rebecca, I've got to get you a copy. So there we go. Yeah, I would I love that. Thanks, yet. Holly. I haven't for sure. And Kristen yet. too. Good, Rebecca or Kristen, lend me your copy so I can read it. Okay, All right. I need that. Oh, I'm <laughs> kissing you, Fred. That isn't even a flip off. Yeah, I'll get you a copy. <laughs> I make him buy. I don't, it. <laughs> I, 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 I don't need you. I don't need your pity. Don't need your pity. I'm just going to pout here. <laughs> Back to you, Holly. So, Yes, Rebecca, let's go forward a little bit. You know, obviously you have done an amazing job. You've got a legacy to leave. You know, Fred asked a really good question of Kristen earlier, and that was, you know, are you going to leave your business to your children? What is your exit strategy from this business? I mean, obviously um, the world of franchising won't be the same, you know, if you close this down at a given point. So I'm certain that you'll either sell it or or pass it on. Um, what, What are your plans, or do you not have plans at this time? Uh, I really don't. I'm sorry, I interrupted there. So I have two adult children, both of which own their own businesses. Um, They have no interest in my business. They think I speak Chinese. Um, But I have a granddaughter who um, started her first business at 15. So you can see entrepreneurship runs in our family. So wow. uh, right now, right now it's about funding her business and funding my daughter's uh, growth from one location to three locations. So my legacy is taking what I have and putting it back into my children and into my um, grandchildren. And I am, as you pointed out, at a stage of life where um, I still love innovating and creating and solving big problems, but I'm getting less and less interested in the actual running of a business. So uh, I am fortunate. Last year I had three different companies make solid uh, offers to purchase my company. I realized as I pondered each of these offers that I wasn't ready uh, to to sell just yet. We're um, continuing conversations with one additional uh, company, but I think I'm going to be around for quite a bit. Uh, still, maybe not in the actual running of the business, but in the creating of the tools and, and research and things of that nature. We recently got uh, involved with uh, the University of Texas, uh, both their veteran program, military veteran program, as well as their PhD 
uh, program, and we are providing them massive amounts of psychographic data that will have, we're hoping several uh, students graduate with their PhD due to the data that we have gathered. So you'll be seeing some wonderful dissertations and white papers coming out. So it is now about the, the next generation, but it's also about continuing to have my finger on the pulse uh, in things such as what we just talked about. What can we do to help these next, next two generations be able to take risks and step up to being uh, uh, commitment, honor their commitments and have that kind of resilience and be able to take risks and have the kind of transparency and trustworthiness that they need to grow business. So I'm always on, with my eye on the future, of, but at the same time looking at how can we help this next generation. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Fred, what do you have to add to that? What would you like me to add to that? A pithy comment? A witty well, question? I, okay, I will, I will ask Fred. Or a funny Fred. noise. I will ask Fred's question. Fred's question is, which he knows, but he isn't thinking of it because I, I introduced it wrong. So if you were um, going to mentor a child right now, about uh, business, uh, a grandchild, a granddaughter, a friend. It'd have to be a granddaughter because this is women in business. Right, exactly. How? What would you say to that little girl? What would you tell her um, maybe to and, do or maybe not to do in this, in this arena? Her name is Addison. By you know, Addison. Talk to Addison. <laughs> I'm going to go with a, uh, three different things, one of which Kristen uh, mentioned earlier, and that is to build your tribe, to build your community, and to nurture those friendships and to nurture that tribe, to know they're going to be with you through your entire life and through this business. So relationships are always the most important thing. It's your best resource, more than money, more than time. Your relationships is what um, everyone needs to focus on. It will ultimately pay off one way or another through a connection, through a, lo through a loan, through advice, through someone kicking you in the butt. But building that tribe is so, so uh, important. And I think that especially since we're talking about our granddaughters and our daughters and our nieces, we're talking about young women going into business, I would highly encourage that they learn their worth. As a woman, we sometimes don't see it, not like men do it. And so we oftentimes compromise and we oftentimes have difficulty saying no or setting boundaries. We want, we want to help everyone and we want to do it for free. <laughs> Uh, and we, right. so we, we need to know deep down what our worth is. What are we bringing to the table? And what is, what's the value of that hour? What's the value of that knowledge? What's the value of that service? And be okay with receiving it back. That, to me, is probably the second piece of advice. And then the third piece of advice that I would give, it goes kind of back to a little bit of what I said about business sometimes can be war. And, and it's okay to be a biddy. And meaning <laughs> we're finally at a place 
where it's okay for a woman to be aggressive and it's okay for a woman to be competitive and it's okay for a woman to speak up and it's okay for a woman to have an opinion. Um, in my day as a baby boomer, that might have been considered someone out there, right? We, we envisioned women to be soft and gentle and loving and kind and soft-spoken. And it's not that we're not all those things. And Holly, you know me well enough that that is who I am. But I, yeah. we also, as women, need to know that it's okay sometimes to be tough and it's okay sometimes to be a bitty and it's okay sometimes to say no um, and, and to push back. Um, and, and that's a tough one because it goes a little bit counter um, our, our nature as, as, as the feminine. Wow. I think you opened a, a really interesting topic that a lot of women, you know, obviously have, have gone through and continue to go through, and that is it's, it's not necessarily what externally around you, especially for an entrepreneur that's not in a corporate uh, workplace, uh, that, you know, not that that, um, I'm negating anything here, but I do want to say when an entrepreneur is in there that you know that there is a place where you have to go sometimes when maybe you're not feeling um, you know maybe maybe you're not feeling aggressive that day you know maybe you are um, you know in a mode where you know making that impact or making that direct confrontation is not easy to do you know we all have skills and weaknesses men and female. And, you know, identifying those, you know, strengths, obviously, but identifying those weaknesses is critical. So when you're in a certain place and you know that one of your maybe weaknesses or, you know, honestly, I think all weaknesses are guys with strengths because there's strengths within it if you can, if you, can you know, look deep enough. But let's, let's give an example uh, tangibly for our audience. Wait, wait, let's wait. Say, time out. Time out. Time out. Freeze. Nope, I want you to go nope, back and say nope. what you said again. Nope, can't do it. Um, so okay. Rebecca's talking. Look at her. Look at her. She's like, "Red man, I think you're gonna get Yeah, you're talking. Okay, cool. So there's a place so, where I'm... you've got it. You've got something. Maybe, maybe it's I. I don't like confrontation, Rebecca. And you know this from your testing and your oracle. You know, a, a woman in business sometimes will have to come up with something that is not natural, and a man will have to be calmer or more um, subdued in, in situations where he doesn't want to be, perhaps. And I am gender typing right now, but this is um, obviously we are different. We are different. Um, what would you say to that, Rebecca? How would a woman, you know, kind of dig, dig deep when she's got a situation she's got to overcome? You know, what's your advice? How, 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 does, how do you do it? Oh, you do it every day. It's, it's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, I don't, male or female, none of us truly love confrontation. But to your point, since we do lack a little bit of the testosterone, which allows us to battle, which allows us to go against uh, something, a conflict of sort, we, we do lack that physiologically. It's, it's not as easy for us. And so we are more harmonizers and team builders and collaborators. Um, and, and so this is, this is tougher uh, for us. So if I was to give any ad advice, and, and this is what I have to remind myself about every day, is the purpose of communication is to build intimacy, to build intimacy with our 
coworkers, our employees, our vendors, our suppliers, with our clients. The purpose of communication is to build intimacy, to, to connect, to bond. That, as, for, as females, we are good at. So when a conflict comes up, I have to remind myself, I need to have this conversation so I can have greater intimacy, greater connection with this person I am having a conflict with. So I need to confront this. I need to address this so I can better understand what caused the conflict and how we might hopefully collectively resolve that. So I guess I put on my rose-colored glasses when I am in a conflicting uh, place and I say the purpose of communication is to develop intimacy so I can have that customer forever, so I can keep that employee forever, so I can have a great relationship with my vendors and supplier. If a conflict has come up, we have broken that intimacy. We have broken that relationship. So instead of seeing it as a conflict, I see it as an opportunity to, to reconnect and, and to build that relationship in a more deep and more meaningful way. Wow. Fascinating answer. Thank you for that. Fred, what's your answer? What's the question now? <laughs> oh, communication? It's to get fed. No, silly. Confrontation. What am I going to do with you? It's conflict. to get fed. Yeah. Conflict. How do you deal with conflict? How do you resolve conflict? Fred? Humor. Oh. You already know his answer. How do you resolve conflict? Um, I think the best answer I've ever heard on how to, um, to how to resolve conflict was by uh, a former governor in uh, former governor of California when he said the best thing in life was to crush your enemies and hear the cries of lamentation and woe of the women and children as you drive them forth across the plain. That was Governor. Uh, Conan the Barbarian, I mean Arnold Schwarzenegger. So to me, that's the, the way to deal with conflict is, right. you know, crush your enemies. And then you don't have to worry about conflict. Male versus female, right? Male versus female <laughs> approach to the same thing. We just have two different ways. Neither is right, neither is wrong. And I think there are times to Fred's point that that's the more ideal way of handling things. Um, I, I will favor the more gentle <laughs> way um, uh, simply because I'm looking for forever relationships. Um, mm -hmm. But there are no, times crushing, crushing is the answer. <laughs> yeah. There are people I, there are people that if I never see again, Ow. I'm happy. Man. There you go. Yeah. Rebecca, I have a friend that would, would say um, to dig into where, uh, the conflict is and find that piece in yourself um, where it resonates and what part of you um, is also associated with that part of the other that you don't like and find that, that piece in there and, and go into why it really does make you angry and why there is a conflict. Um, you know, I, I thought that was wise advice that's helped you through a few, few instances. I totally, totally agree. Um, isn't it amazing how much we are a reflection of one another? And if we could see that when somebody triggers us 
that's because it was a trigger to be had uh, kind of thing. Good point. Yeah. You know, if I never see my cardiologist again, I'd be happy. Um, but I really like the guy. He saved my life, but I'd still be happy if I never saw him again. And it has nothing to do with conflict <laughs> or anything like that. You know, just, dude scares the hell out of me. He's going to cut my chest open. But that's beside the point. Never mind. Um, <laughs> All right, so we're 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 running close to the end of time. Um, I'm going to ask both Kristen and Rebecca the same wonderful question, and then Holly can ask one last question of her own. Unless Holly, actually, since it is Women in Business uh, Day, I'll let Holly ask both of our wonderful guests one last question, and then I'll take the Ray question. All right, sounds good. Kristen, are you still with us? I am. Oh, wonderful. Great. Well, I, you know what? I'm not going to even ask you a specific question because I know you heard a lot, you know, um, with, with Rebecca in the interview. I'd just like to see if you have any anything to add to the conversation that we, we just uh, recently had. Um, no, actually, I was just going to say that, um, that the, I'm going to call it profiling. I, I think it was um, that, that's my layman's term because I'm not a wordy person, but that they do with the brokers to help you determine the right franchise for you um, is absolutely a great way to determine uh, what is the right franchise to buy. I did it. That's how I wanted to put the Molly made. So when you talk about people looking for a business to buy, work with a broker. It's a great way to determine where your money is best invested. And thank you for the opportunity to be here. Thank you, Kristen. And and the last question for you, Rebecca. Rebecca, yeah, I really am going to kind of follow what we just did with Kristen. Just tell our audience one last thing, what you really want to say and make sure that your voice comes out right now. Well, you know, directly to the women, um, you know, it's interesting just a few days ago, Michelle Rowan from Franchise Business Review posted some statistics that said um, 41% of the folks that have entered franchising in the last 24 months were women. That's huge. When I first started in franchising 26 years ago, we were lucky to have 20%, 41% in the last 24 months. Um, so if I was talking to franchisors and if I was talking to franchise brokers um, regarding women, I would say this. Our, we're running about 20,000 assessments a, a year, and less than 30% of those are women. So we're doing a bad job of attracting women. They're buying the businesses once we get to them, but we need to do a better job uh, marketing as franchisors and as franchise brokers towards women. They make phenomenal franchisees um, and they are wired uh, for it. So if 41% are buying, um, then why only, why is our marketing going to a much smaller market? So I think we need to pay attention uh, to a market that has been neglected um, and hopefully not forever. Yeah. Okay, so my response to that is get the right marketing guy. And given that 30 39.6% of our audience is women, we're ahead. Um, 
Good Never for mind. you. Yeah, I've been working on that. Um, so I believe my, you have. <laughs> my last question to Kristen is, how do people get a hold of you? You can find me on LinkedIn, or you can find me at www.mommymade.com slash Bloomingdale slash IL, or how else, Fred? LinkedIn, Uh, and (laughs) those are the easiest ways to find me. Uh, Our office number is 630-529-9044. Are we on Instagram yet? No. All right, we'll deal with that later. (laughs) I think I'm there. I'm just, you know, I run out of time. <laughs> yeah, I know. We'll deal with that later. Yeah. We have to get you up and running so we can take over the rest of Chicago. And, and never mind. Anyways, uh, Rebecca, how do people get a hold of you? <laughs> so our best way is on ZoracleProfiles.com um, or um, directly at Rebecca at Zoracle.net. And then, of course, Rebecca Monet, M-O-N-E-T, on uh, LinkedIn. So that would be Monet, as in Monet the painter, not Monet as the painter. Never mind. Never mind. That's Um, right. (laughs) Hey, I do know a bit about art. Can't draw, but do a bit. No, so folks, this has been another <laughs> scintillating. See, Holly, I used a big word there, scintillating. Scintillating. Oh, I love it. That's a good one. I'll pick back another flip off for that. That's fine. I uh, know you won't, but that's okay. Uh, another scintillating <laughs> episode of Pillars of Franchising, even though our number one pillar has been gone and is enjoying family time and balancing his work and his life, even though he allegedly thinks he's semi-retired. <laughs> we miss you, right? And we'll <laughs> see you back next week. <laughs>